Now to pull on the headphones and see how it sounds. Oh, that's great. Hello and welcome to the Adventures in Odyssey Scoopcast, your source for the latest in Adventures in Odyssey reviews, always in podcast form, for those who don't have time to read. I'm your host, Michael LaFaver, so let's get started. Hey, this is a review of the Christmas Bells. Let's go. Alright, next up on the docket is 908, The Christmas Bells. It was an episode written by written written bleh. It was an episode written and directed by Phil Lawler and sound designed by Nathan Jones and music by John Campbell. What'd you guys think? Yeah, that was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah. Decent episode. I'll say this right up front. There there's been a lot of critical Rydell theory in the fan base recently, and I took that and I applied it to me too, because this is a Phil episode and I haven't been too positive on his stuff recently, but I went into this thinking, you know what? Let's take this just as uh, another episode of Odyssey, and it's it's really good. I like it. I was I was yeah. Yeah, I'd be happy today listening to it. Yeah. It's a good episode. Like I think the thing that I was most concerned with was how they were going to handle uh, Wilson having premonitions because there, I think right. there's a good and a bad way to do that. Mm-hmm. I should say first, I didn't go into this episode with like a uh-oh, Phil Lawler episode. Like when I see Phil Lawler on an episode, actually, I still get excited because yeah. I remember the long time that he wasn't with Odyssey and not liking that for some reason. Mm-hmm. I associate with him with the with the classic original stuff and yeah. which is so I was kind of hoping for something that would be nostalgic kind of early Odyssey sa- uh, feel. I actually didn't get that. Um huh. it's a decent episode. Not not one of my favorites, but it, it you know, I, I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, but I mean, I love the use of the characters though, Jason and and Wilson. I was decently impressed. It goes along this theme of lost, but then gains, then lost, then gains. Yeah. Just in life, we have sorrows. And it felt a lot also like uh, It Is Well, mm. where yes. you're exploring the the life of the songwright and the tragedy that led to the lyrics that they wrote, which gives them more meaning and makes them more impactful. And I really like that. You're right. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of this in terms of like the... The It Is Well or Amazing Grace series, but it mm-hmm. kind of does fit. I was really familiar with the story of Longfellow and the Christmas Bells um, before I heard this episode. I've heard, I've, I've read the story before. I saw a um, a production where they told the story with music and everything. And so, knowing the story really well, I was really excited for this episode too. And sometimes when you know a story too well, I think you go in with higher expectations than you ought to. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I like a different version better. But still, I think that this is this was really well done. I really appreciated my favorite part was how they incorporated everything and everything turns at, around at the end. So maybe we don't want to go to the end yet, but like <laughs> no, I, I felt there. like so I just so at the very end you have Longfellow and his son, um, Charlie, who Charlie is paralyzed. And it's this end thing, the Longfellow's written that um, hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And it's this turning point where his son realizes he can walk again and he hears the bells off on the side. He says, okay, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong will fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Yep. And it's just this perfect turnaround and perfect ending. And so I really, I really thought that 
that my favorite part of the episode definitely was the end of, of the storytelling. I thought that was like the best part of it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And similar to that, before the final scene, Longfellow is quoting, I think, Snowflakes. Is that the, the name of the, the poem? That one is. I looked it up. And then he's he quotes the cross of snow, the children's mm-hmm. hour, and there's one more that he quotes at the beginning of this. But angels, there are, angels on the something. Yeah, there are the angels. There are four separate Longfellow poems or sonnets that are included at least in part throughout this, and it really adds to the. I don't know. It's I don't I don't know how to describe it, but I love the feel of this episode that we're being sort immersed in adds, this story. Sort of adds to the thematic exploration. You would say that. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. <laughs> we can talk about the specific writing spots later, but as a a writer choice, I think it was a, a really great choice to incorporate all those bits because not only is Phil building on those those pieces, but he's also writing a lot of the dialogue in a really similar style. The scene that stands out the most to me is the one where, what's her name? Fanny is cutting Anne's hair mm-hmm. uh, and and that's what a, a what a, a powerful scene that is. Uh, Phil's really really right. good at those. It it starts off really really light, and then you're you're continuing with with the scene, and you're like, oh okay, why are we staying here? Something's going to happen, and then something does happen, and it turns, and all of this is still in the same like you can hear in Longfellow's voice the same kind of style of speech. The same pattern yeah. that he's been speaking through the whole episode. Get the servants and quickly drop to the floor, Fanny. Let me put it out. That consistency is really good, and I love it. Mm-hmm. I really liked the fact that they used actors that we know. You couldn't tell that we knew them, but like Gregory Javara also plays Longfellow, and unless you know this, this you you, you can't really tell. Carrie Walgren and Melissa Disney. The wiki doesn't know which if. But no. they play the two different wives. No, I should. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm sad that the wiki doesn't know. I, I should know this, but I know. Uh, I, I was like, oh man, I should go back and listen to. It. I don't have time to do that, but like to try to figure out who played who. But like these are two actors from Odyssey Past, and then uh, Charlie is Jason Spisak, who plays Maury Rydell's dad. Well, I was gonna and say so, Lux Bonteri in the Clone Wars because I didn't want to make a Rydell reference, but you know that's that's just me. Uh, <laughs> sorry, did, Ryan, did you pick up on that? <laughs> He plays something else in another episode, too, in yeah, the club. Yeah, he is... Yeah, go ahead, anyway. The, the wiki doesn't know either. It says it's one of the two, and I was like... Man, ah, I gotta well. get on this. Man, where, where have you been? Why have you not been... What have you doing I've with your life? I've been editing the Scoopcast <laughs> and ranting about other stuff that right? I shouldn't be. Anyway, keep going. Oh, man. Anyways, I just... Sometimes Odyssey brings, like, all these random actors we never heard of to do these episodes, like, to play one-off characters, but I really appreciate when they just stick with the cast that we know. It's kind of how they started with, and that's one of the things, you know, these are all uh, voice actors that we're familiar with, but they get to showcase their talents in characters that they're not um, usually playing, so... I wonder who plays the little little girl, if if it's one of those actors or not, because... Yeah, it's not credited on the wiki. Right. And and speaking of which, I, I'm thinking maybe the best scene is that one where he's talking about the Christmas hour. He's he's telling the poem. And then mm. his daughter, is it his daughter? I think, comes in. Yeah. And in the background, you can hear them wrestling and they're tackling mm-hmm. him and he's, he's playing along. And it's a heartwarming scene with a, a, a fantastic young child actress. I love it. Yes. Actress, actor, one of those two. But it's it's great. I, I don't think we've had a scene like that on Odyssey in a very, very long time, and it made me very, very happy. Yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. You had something you liked. Yeah, go for well, it. Well, I was going to say I liked the sound design 
for several scenes where he's like, there's the scene where he's talking to his dead wife and then there's sort of like this wind and chimes and just like, you can feel this sort of swirling. It just feels like you're in a dream almost. Then the forms of the departed enter at the open door. The beloved, the true hearted come to visit me once more. Henry. And I thought, I just thought the sound design all throughout was very nice because it does that several times, whether he's remarking to himself in poem form, whether he's actually talking to someone who's dead, whether he's just talking to God. There's like all sorts of sound effects that make it feel surreal. But maybe we can move on to the surrounding context here. With the with with Will nah, with Wilson coming into the shop, do you want to talk about this this whole thing of the premonition? Sure. Yeah. So Wilson initially enters the J and J and T or Triple J's, which I feel like is a goof because it's supposed to be Triple J, not Triple J's. But I I, I don't. Oh, know. Oh no, that's a Midwest thing. See, people just put S mm. on the S on the end of any store because reasons. You know, like. Oh, hey, let's go to Walmarts. Hey, let's go to Targets <laughs> Wait, or, or do whatever. They, do they say that? I don't think they say it about Walmart and Target, but it's like Aldi's. Aldi's is yes, a big Aldi's. One. I hear that one. I learned yeah. that when I moved out here to the Midwest. I was like, what is this? I don't know. Okay. Or like, whatever, or like whatever. even even calling it a Wana's. <laughs> I was so confused I when I people. first saw <laughs> when I first saw the actual name of Awana and Aldi. I thought there's no S on the end. What are you talking <laughs> about? Yes. What do you guys think about that when Zoe leaves and Wilson's like, "Well, I got this message and I don't know what it means." Hmm. I it feels a little strange for the Holy Spirit to say, "Hey, I'm going to tell you information so that you have sort of a prophecy about this." but I'm going to make it a riddle in this yeah. way. Like, feels like a bit of a weird riddle for the Holy Spirit to give if it's trying to warn someone of something. Yeah. Tim, I, you're the I, theology I expert s- here, or at least the theology <laughs> student here. So what do you got? Uh, yeah, student rather than expert, probably, okay. you know? Yeah. No, so I, I that that's an interesting, interesting thought, though. Um, and I think what I would say, what came to mind, I guess, is that, yeah, I think he often God, if, if God wants someone to intervene, he'll give them specific things. But even in the prophecies in the Old Testament, like they weren't super clear. Like if you go back and, and read some of these prophecies that Matthew uh, and the gospel writers will say, and this is to, and, and they'll say, this is to fulfill the prophecy by Isaiah that said this. And you go back to Isaiah and you say, that's a prophecy about the Messiah? Um, this is it's, true. This it's is kind true. of vague in there. Or then you have people like Daniel. I'm taking a class on Daniel right now. And mm-hmm. the the second half of that book is all this apocalyptic prophecy stuff. And it's not clear. Like Daniel, half the time is, he, is he's saying, I don't get it. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, I just yeah. don't understand. <laughs> yes. That's, that's oh, Daniel, so confused. the whole book. <laughs> okay. So who wants cheesecake? <laughs> That's an interesting thing about prophecy is that sometimes it's meant to tell the person who is prophesying or the people around them, hey, something's going to happen, get ready. Mm-hmm. But then other prophecies, it's almost more God saying, hey, I'm going to leave this here as evidence of my goodness and my power and my foresight and my omniscience and all of that. <laughs> and you won't have any evidence to back up any claim that I'm not any of those things. Yeah. And, and there's another thing here talking about the evidence. 
if we're invoking God in an episode, I'm not totally opposed to that. But then you get into the question of, well, Emily does not really appear. Emily and, and Olivia don't even appear in this episode. And then <laughs> understanding the context later on, Emily is not even in any of the next six episodes besides Spoiler the team. alert! Well, yeah, well, these episodes have already aired. It's fine. I know, I know. I'm just <laughs> You're good. So I'm wondering if God were to talk to Wilson and or to give this premonition, whatever this feeling was of one of three. Well, I have I don't think that the three that Emily was connected at all to the events that happened. So is kind of giving evidence to looking back after all this stuff and saying, well, yeah, Olivia did fall to a certain extent. And oh yeah, there was this message, the one of three will fall that Wilson kind of acknowledges. Yeah, that was what he suspected would would happen. So is that sufficient evidence to warrant this quote unquote prophecy being here? Mm, That's what I'm I'm not sure. I I guess the point is that inevitably the hint leads him to investigate more than he would. And I think that that's kind of the point is that the prophecy isn't necessarily there to be super clear, just to be sort of a stepping stone for Wilson to say, okay, here's a group of three. Maybe that's the thing. And then Mm -hmm. say later, oh, well, those they could fall at the snow thing. So I should be careful and I should check in on that. So then he does, and all of that leads to him sort of having his finger on the pulse of something he wouldn't have otherwise. So Mm -hmm. I think if the point of the premonition was to make it so that he's in the right places at the right times, then sure. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I think it works. It also works to keep us listening and wanting to hear the next album, but I think it definitely works in the the context of the reality of Odyssey as well. As far as the cliffhanger, I didn't mind it. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it took away from the rest of the episode. I will say that it kind of made it so that this episode isn't likely to be aired as a Christmas episode. It'll be aired as a mainstream episode because it has that tie-in. And we really haven't had too many Christmas episodes that do that. So I just think that's interesting for them to to do that. Well, it doesn't even really feel like that much of a Christmas episode, even though it's called The Christmas Bells. It's just like the final scene ties into Christmas a little bit. True. Whereas most of the other Christmas episodes are Christmas snow holiday stuff all the way through but you know it's fine it's good so i had one final thought on some of the writing and some of the acting uh, throughout this episode there were i touched earlier on how i really liked the blending of longfellow's dialogue through most of this but then there are just a couple scenes like the first longfellow scene that i, I really think the writing isn't great and a couple of it, like the the first scene and the last scene with Zoe, where the acting really does not land. I have a history project to do and an article to write, and I have no idea what the subject should be for either of them. And I think maybe that's just me. Specifically in the first Longfellow scene, the repetition of my love, my love, my love so many times. Uh, it, I noted it, that. Yeah, it doesn't feel creative. <laughs> and that's hard to say because it, it's hard to be creative and it's hard to find good dialogue for the characters. So I'm not really sure how, if I could, I would improve it like as a criticism, but it feels like the, the dialogue could have flowed better in that scene and maybe the one between Longfellow and his son when they're arguing about the war. Just a couple things that stood out to me. I, I don't know if you guys saw that. I did, yeah. yeah. I don't know how I would improve it either because the first scene that you're referring to is where she's dying, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I would improve it because I don't know that if I was in that position, I would have much to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, w- I, 
I would be I would be very sad and like really just at a loss. And most of what I said would probably just kind of be an outflowing of whatever was left in my soul. So I can't imagine that it would be very creative. Well, and maybe that's just <laughs> me being insecure. <laughs> Did anyone think that? Maybe I should say unpopular opinion. The first, the the first, the scene where his wife comes back and talks to him after she's dead is a bit creepy for Odyssey, especially for the age gap, age group we're aiming toward. Well, it's the gray lady. I thought, like, I thought they did really Spoilers. well with the scene, but also, <laughs> but also, like, I was this is this is kind of really creepy. Like, I would have put a, a a kids listen with your parents thing on this one. We need a Wooten in there to be like, that was really creepy. (laughs) (laughs) She ate a mango. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I I feel that a little bit. It's just I've been in kind of that headspace of I really like the the creative choice that was done there. So me personally, I didn't really think it was that creepy. And I think it was I think with the music, uh, a younger kid listening to this could kind of pick up on, wow, this is really sad more than this is really creepy. But maybe I I don't know. I I get where you're coming from. I also feel like this episode was geared toward older kids anyways, with all the literature and the poetry and everything. It kind of was not for the nine year old end of the spectrum. So which is okay. They can do that. It's all good. Plus, like the person burning. And Ugh, shot. Yes. And <laughs> all right, I think I rambled enough for today. Shall we go to our ratings now? Yes. I'm set. Okay. I really like this one. I'm gonna give it eight years of courtship out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I just got that. I'm gonna I think this was a pretty average episode. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I think I'm going to give this one a five out of ten. Uh what? I had something. Good grief. Five, five out of ten? Out of, yes. Five out of oh. ten. Oh, it slipped my mind. Easy light. <laughs> Five out of Yahoo. That's 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 <laughs> <laughs> No, please. <laughs> okay. Five out of ten music boxes. Ah, there we go. That's not really good. Really? You didn't like it that much? I yeah. Like it was kind of average. I didn't actually like it very much. Lots of it was good, but I was kinda of like eh. mine is maybe a little higher than Timmy's. Like the main points I would say put it above an average episode was like the music and sound design quality the sort of emotional beats being willing to be kind of creative with kind of a new way of telling a story through a piece of music line by line and being yeah. almost brave enough to even just have a person sing each line my rating i think is uh, seven out of ten uh uh will fall <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised that was higher than you guys on a bill episode how, how did this happen hey. thank you so much for joining us for this review next week we are going to be going back to album 71 and staying there for the rest of the album the first episode we'll be reviewing is please adjust your frequency Anyway, if you'd like to get in contact with us, there are plenty of ways you can do that. First, you can visit our website at odysseyscoop.com and view our blog posts over there. Or you can go to odysseyscoopcast.com and look at all the podcast episodes that we've done. You can also go to odysseyscoop.com slash forum to find the Soda Shop message boards. Or you can chat with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash odysseyscoop. Hey, Merry Christmas, everyone. We got a lot of new content coming up, so keep your podcasts refreshed to never be without the Odyssey Scoop. I'm not Garrett, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Neither am I, but that's why I have I am me, Michael. <laughs> it's more okay. than I can be. The only road I know is the one that I can see. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, Olivia has five letters in it. That doesn't make sense. No, it has six what letters in it. What are you talking it. about? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about?
Three children, Olivia <laughs> I know. and Matthew I and know. Camilla are it three siblings. Matthew and Camilla don't appear anywhere in the next couple episodes either, so, you know. Will they ever? I think so. <laughs> no. Oh, well, all right, then, we're, then we're, we're We're veering <laughs> off. We're, we're, we're not doing great. Anyway, back to all this. So... <laughs>